Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. Welcome to Inside the Chamber. This is our way to bring passionate and knowledgeable chamber members to the community through a healthy dialogue about meaningful topics that matter to our business community. The chamber mission of moving business forward towards an engaged, thriving community happens when we are your advocate and your resource. And Inside the Chamber allows us to do and be just that. Today, we are talking business with local ambassador to the business media, Marla Tabaka. Marla Tabaka is an internationally known small business coach and a leading author at Inc. Magazine. For more than 17 years, she has led her entrepreneurial clients to six and seven figure successes through her unique integrative approach to personal and professional growth. She's hosted several popular podcasts and radio shows, including Big Pitch Radio with the original Shark Tank host, Kevin Harrington. The Six Figure Coach magazine has named Marla one of the top 50 business coaches in the United States. She has made many appearances on Fox Business News and appeared in noteworthy publications such as the New York Times, American Express Open, Time Business, The Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, and Forbes. Marla, oh my goodness, we are so honored to have you joining us here today. Thank you so much. I've really been looking forward to it, <laughs> Kaylin. Thank you. So let's just dive right in. You know, mm -hmm. what is keeping people from experiencing success? You know, what is the struggle as they are trying to reach that success? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of a surprising answer that I discovered back when I came out of coaching school and I was all ready to charge in there and, and teach people how to grow their businesses. And I quickly learned, Kaylin, that people often know how to grow their businesses. They're just not doing it. And so the answer to that question really is ourselves. We get in our own way. Uh, too readily. We, we have limiting beliefs that stop us from doing the things that we know could take us to the next level. And so that's one of the things that coaching is about, right, is uncovering those thought patterns that keep an entrepreneur from becoming successful, the self-sabotage, the imposter syndrome, the thoughts that just don't serve us for, to get to success. And of course, capital is also something that we talk about in terms of standing in our way. And that's unfortunate that, you know, it's not easy to get our hands on money as small business owners. But what I find, Kaylin, is that with the right attitude and the mindset and going up for that bird's eye view to look at your business with someone who, let's face it, you don't know what you don't know, right? So someone who's been there, done it a lot of times over, can really give us a different kind of strategy that offers us the financial flexibility and ability to take our businesses to the next level. So you use the term imposter syndrome, and I've yeah. heard that a few times recently. Can you explain a little bit of what it is, how do we know if we've got it, and how to overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. The first message I'd like to put out there is that some of the most influential, powerful, successful people suffer from the imposter syndrome. And that is when you ask questions and make comments to yourself like, oh, if they only knew that I don't belong here, or 
they think that I did that, you know, all by myself, but I didn't. I had help. One example I'll take from my own life um, was years ago when I worked at NBC Television, and I was on a small team that won a national Emmy Award. Not a local Emmy, but a national Emmy Award, okay? Kaylin, I totally dismissed it because I was on a team. And it wasn't me, I'm not that smart, I'm not that creative, I'm not that brilliant. It wasn't me that got this award. It was, it was the team and the other members who were so much more influential. It wasn't until years later that I just let it slip to a very, my closest friend didn't even know because I discounted it. And uh, she's like blown away by it. And I realized, you know what? I, I like came up with the idea. Okay, so <laughs> I was really a, a major influencer there. And so it's when we doubt our ability to succeed in the sense that we're not qualified, we're not smart enough, we're just acting, we're just showing up, we're lucky, got there by luck. It's that kind of thing. And it is very, very, it's just prevalent amongst successful people and people who are striving for success. And if we're starting to hear some of that self talk and self-doubt talk in our head, What? how do you coach people out of it? Oh, that's the most exciting part. <laughs> and that's why I love to work with entrepreneurs who have that scalable business model, but aren't doing it because nine out of 10 times, it is that, it is in their head. And so back again in 2004, when I launched my coaching practice, and I learned that people know how to scale their business oftentimes, but they're not doing it. I didn't know how to help them, Kaylin. I was like, eee, they didn't prepare us for this in coaching school, right? And so I put out there, I just like, oh, please show me something that's really powerful that can help these people. And three times within a week, people mentioned this method, I guess you'd call it, that's called the emotional freedom techniques. And EFT tapping is another name for it, or just tapping. And it's an energy psychology technique that is very, very powerful. Uh, it just so happened that Gary Craig, the man who developed it based on a more complex technique, was doing a week-long training in Denver, and I hopped on that plane, and it's changed my life, and it's changed the life of most of my clients. And, and basically, in a nutshell, what it does is it takes the belief systems that are formed around our negative life events. So for me, for instance, in second grade, one of my teachers had me write a sentence on the blackboard and I thought she was gonna use it as a great example and she just ripped it apart. And, and basically I walked away learning that I can't write. And now I write for the most popular business magazine on the planet, right? I can write. I just had that, that thought in my mind, that story about myself that wasn't true in my mind. And the emotional techniques, uh, can, freedom techniques can eliminate that by going through this process that I take them through. And it's also very, very uh, powerful for people who've suffered larger trauma events in their lives. So it helps us. Most people say it's like, I know that happened to me. I know that on some level it was tragic, rather small T or big T we call them. But it's like there's a curtain between me and it now and I am no longer triggered by things that remind me of how inadequate I am based on my beliefs from that event. It's so interesting how we're talking about psychology and that really does matter in the business world. It's something that I feel we're not talking about enough of how psychology affects you as a business owner and someone who isn't true entrepreneur. 
Yeah, it is, it is the leading reason that people, especially people who, like my ideal audience, they may be hitting six figures, but they have the potential to scale to a million dollars and they're not doing it. You know that psychology is involved. And it's, um, okay, I'm working with a client now. This is a perfect example. She would not make phone calls that we knew would lead to her next level of success. She just not, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And what we discovered was that she'd been knocked down so many times in her previous careers and endeavors that she knew that when she made those phone calls, she would fail. And then what? And then all hope would be lost. She didn't have anything to hold on to. But as, as long as she had those phone calls out there and she could hope that they could turn into something, she was okay. So she just didn't make them. Well, we changed that, and things are going <laughs> great for her. But one of my favorite stories, I have to tell this story because it's just so, it's, it, because it was my first EFT tapping success. And I use other things in coaching, absolutely, but we're talking about psychology, and this is a tool I use for that. Uh, Garnett came to me, and she was bringing in about $120,000 in revenue, taking home about thirty-five for her 80-hour weeks. This was years ago. She was my very first one. And uh, she had an amazingly scalable business model in place. I mean, like, easy, easy. And she just wouldn't do it. And so finally what we uncovered that she wasn't even aware of is that her dream was to make multi-millions and then step back from her business and teach other women of color how to succeed in business. But with her PhD and all of the success she did have, she wasn't, don't you know, smart enough. And she didn't have anything really important to say. And she had learned this from her father who was constantly reinforcing that negative message. So we took care of that and she hit the million dollar mark within six months and four years later she was at 45 million. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. It's so exciting. I love the idea of coaching. We're talking about small business yeah. coaching, of taking you from that six-figure to the seven-figure mark. How did you get into coaching to begin with? Yeah, so, so it's fun. It's just one of those twists of fate, I guess. Uh, one of the things that I did after leaving NBC, after doing some, some other jobs and having another business, was I opened a coffee house here in Naperville. And it was a fat bean coffee house, and, and it was a beloved place for musicians and artists to go and such. But what I learned about being a local brick and mortar entrepreneur is that it's with employees, it's, it's very lonely. You have big decisions to make, and any entrepreneur, when you have employees, you've got the livelihood of other people in your hands. And so it's, it's scary. And I never felt so alone in my life. And I was talking, I was confiding to a customer whom I had grown close to, and he said, you need a business coach. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> a business coach. And so I met Steve, and I hired Steve, and the transformation was profound. And I eventually, after about a year of coaching, I said, you know, Steve, I, I think I need to do what you do. And he said, you'd be amazing. And so he mentored me through school and sent me my pro bono clients. and. Um, never looked back. And I think one thing I want to let people know is, you know, you don't have to necessarily be at the top of the chain or be in business for 10 years or be a startup. Anyone can really utilize a business coach. Um, what does most of your clientele look like? Is it just people who are self-aware enough to say, I want to get better? Mm -hmm. um, 
Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely the self-awareness. Um, some just know that in order to scale, they need somebody at their side, somebody who's been there and can help them and, and brainstorm even. It's not about me telling them what to do, although I am a directive coach, I'll confess to that. Um, and uh, it, it's also about, well, let's talk about this. Let's take that bird's eye view and see where we can go. Uh, so it is that self-awareness, but it also comes for some people out of pain. Okay, I'm close to giving up. I don't know what to do next. I'm lost. I need some help. So it comes from a couple of different directions, but that self-awareness is, is important. And if you're not willing to, you know, really invest in you, then yeah, your business might be slow going at best. Yeah. All right, well, we've got a lot more tips and tricks coming up. Stay with us. We will be back in just a few minutes. Naperville Bank and Trust has the expertise, knowledge, and experience to help you reach your business goals. They provide all the tools that you would ask uh, that we as a growing business need of a bank. Most importantly to me, it's a, a great personal relationship we have with Tom and John and, and our bankers. It was the best thing we could have done in banking. And banking can be very cold. What the bank brings to us is, is that warm feeling when you come into the bank and people say, hi, Greg. It's about being part of the community again, about being a name again, about having credit for who your business is instead of just being, well, instead of just being a number. Naperville Bank and Trust, bring it home. Stay in the know, at home, or on the go with NCTV 17 News Update. This quick recap of everything happening in and around town will be delivered straight to your email inbox for free. Sign up today. Welcome back to Inside the Chamber. So we are talking a little bit about your coaching style. You are mm -hmm. a directive coach, you said. Um, what all does that mean and how did you even get into coaching? Yeah, uh, directive coaching traditionally is about asking the provocative questions that helps the client to come up with the answers on their own. And there's a lot of value in that. However, if I know the answer and I know where we need to go next, I will make that suggestion to the client. I will tell a client if they're about to make a big mistake that I've seen before. Um, and that is what I consider a more directive method of coaching. And that's just my person. Some coaches do not believe in that and will say that's not coaching, that's consulting. So I'm somewhere in between. And you know, Kaylin, it's not, it's not just the business strategy uh, that's important in coaching. A lot of entrepreneurs are surprised and really rather reluctant to learn that it's about them more than it is about the business strategy at first. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where we'll have our stumbling blocks emotionally and personally, but you know, we'll do more strategy. But in the beginning, it's really about them because they're the foundation for their business. And I draw from life experiences, many, many life experiences that help me to be a better coach. And you know, professionally, we talked about how I got into coaching, but on a personal note, 
um, we've all had difficult times in our lives, and, and we've, we've all had our share, as have I. And we uh, moved out here as a family when our kids were, my husband's and my twins were only six months old. And we're city folks, we were raised in the city, so for us to come out to Naperville and, and own a house was just an amazing dream of ours. And uh, it wasn't uh, three months after we moved in that tragically we learned that my husband, now this was back when this was first occurring in this country, but my husband uh, was HIV positive. And at that point, you know, that meant that the girls and I too would be HIV positive. There was just no way around it. And so we lived with that knowledge and that tragedy in our lives. And then once I worked up the courage to go in and get tested, I learned that I wasn't by some miracle and therefore the girls would be spared too. But the reason I bring that up is because when my husband did pass away eight years later, he made it to their eighth birthday, uh, and that was a goal. And, and when he did pass away, I didn't allow myself to stay fallen apart. I turned to self-growth, and I started to introduce myself to a spiritual journey uh, which really is just the exploration for me, the exploration of how I interact with with the world and how the world interacts with me and how I can improve those experiences. And I taught myself ways to calm the mind and the body, meditation, those kinds of things, um, energy work, what have you. And, and so I can draw from that and any number of events in my life so that no matter what you come into the coaching relationship with, it's not gonna surprise me. There is no judgment. And I can say to my client, look, I've been through this. I get it. I've walked in your shoes. Let's come out the other side together. I love how you're talking about it as not just a professional journey, but really a personal one as well. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And that's what surprises clients. And many clients, the ones who are a little more when they first come in, let's say, uptight about their success and getting where they need to go, and they're very goal-focused, they're reluctant to spend their business's money on a business coach and work on themselves. And um, if I find that that's just never gonna shift, then I don't work with that client because it is just that important. Well, you have to invest in yourself and be that authentic leader so that you can yes. have that great team. And I think part of being a really good team is having the right culture. So talk to me about how you can talk through or coach of what is the most important thing that you have seen or understood about business culture. Is it important? I think it is, but uh, not everybody does. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I made up this little saying, Kaylin, and it is that if you don't build an intentional company culture, it will build itself, and you're not going to like the results. I like that. <laughs> it's like a cautionary tale. Uh, yes, yes, it is, and I've seen it happen. And many, many of my clients come in with employees in place, and and um, and they've already created this toxic internal culture, and we have to turn that around. And unfortunately, what often happens is those employees will leave, and we have to kind of start from the ground up again. Um, we have to know our own values. What are the most very important things to us in the entire world? And we have to int introduce some semblance of those values into our company to create the culture. 
And one of the questions I ask is, what do you want your clients, customers, whichever, to say about you as a company or a product? And what do you want your employees to go out into the world saying about you as an employer? And that and the awareness of values is what begins to create that culture. And why is culture so important? Yeah. So I have had clients who, I'll, I'll use one that I'm working with now who's a newer client and her employees are accustomed to small team meetings where they get to bash the customer and they get to be negative and they get to go off on personal tales that aren't relative to uh, what, they're, what they've got going on in the meeting and the meetings go two hours and they're not productive and they're just ugly, right? And so we are shifting that culture and the meetings have become so much more productive. The employees now have a vested interest in making the company succeed because they helped to build this culture. They helped to determine what's important. And now they work harder, they work smarter, they come up with ideas for growth. Their contribution is on a whole different level. And, and this company is growing just very, very quickly. They're just skyrocketing. So that's only one reason. I could go on. This is a book. <laughs> well, it is. I, I studied it when I was in grad school. It's the contented cow theory. That's a lot of what I've been talking about. You know, happy cows produce better milk. You know, yes. em employees who are happy do better work product. And it's yes. about more than just extracting work out of you. Yes. It's the whole person. I want your experience at work to be enjoyable. I want you to work smarter and harder, but I want you to enjoy it yes. as well. And not only is it more profitable, but it's it's just more fun. It's more fun to be an entrepreneur when you can go to work and see yeah. smiles. <laughs> it is fun. It's fun to say, you know, oh, that this isn't just my coworker. This is my friend, and yes. and you can be productive as well. And I think that we're really seeing employees double down on the fact that they want good culture. That's something yes. we've talked a lot about with Gen Z, is Gen Z's like, hey, I will give up money if I can have that unlimited PTO. Yes. Or uh, I saw a study in Cranes last week, I will give up money to be full remote or to have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. I think um, that's really important. And like you mentioned, businesses don't understand all the underlying costs that it takes to onboard somebody. It's not just time. Yeah, they, they really don't. And, and in a smaller business, the entrepreneur themselves has to step back into the business when they lose a client, a, a um, employee, an employee. And that can be catastrophic at some level because that's not where they belong. They belong, you know, in that big picture frame of mind, outgrowing the business, creating strategy to take that business to the next level and to achieve what I call their vision beyond the vision which is what they're going to do once they don't have to be at work every day. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, last question. One piece of advice you want to make sure that people who are listening really take away from our conversation. Sure, sure. I think it ties back in, Kaylin, to what we've been talking about, and that is that you are not your business, but your business is based on you. And so to really watch those thoughts and to um, mind your thought management and to believe in yourself and not give up on that dream and don't listen to naysayers, but to hang out with people who are even more successful than you are and watch how they do it. I love it. Well, thank you so much Welcome. for this conversation and thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been just an absolutely fantastic discussion and thank you for sharing your passion and your business successes and great tips for us. Thank you again for joining us for Inside the Chamber. We will see you again next month.
Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.